You're listening to The Dime Podcast, business simplified. Welcome back, everyone, to The Dime Podcast, Business Simplified. I am Rob, and that is Ben over there, and uh, we are going through the five questions that are most frequently asked to Dime in regard to accounting and business practices and uh, just the nuts and bolts of all of it. These questions just keep coming up, and so we're doing some podcast episodes all about it. And we are on to question number two, which we teased a little bit in the the last episode. But before we get going too far, hi, Ben. How are you doing? Hi, Rob. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about philosophy on discretionary spending. Um, Mm. What does an accountability structure look like for discretionary spending? Well, so first, let's let's give a definition of discretionary spending. Typically, in in regard to nonprofits, in regard to churches, what are we talking about here? Is when it comes to discretionary spending and those kinds of accounts. Yeah. So typically, a discretionary spending account is the spender's discretion. Yeah. So he he or she is allotted a certain amount of money that they can spend every month or every year at their discretion. So if they want to buy books with it, if they want to buy, you know, go to a conference with it or take a sabbatical, you know, these sort of things, that's at their discretion and, you know, that's the definition I guess of a discretionary spending account. Yeah, I, I remember first hearing about this uh, from a, a church that, that you and I are both familiar with. Uh, the pastor went to uh, went to speak at a conference, and it was the first time that he had experienced one of these headset mics. That was not a lapel mic, you know. It wasn't a handheld mic. It wasn't a microphone attached to the podium. But it was one of these microphones that you know wraps around your ear and comes down close to your mouth. And once it's on there, you don't really even notice that it's there, and it's just great sound and everything. And he came back and came back home to his home church, and he said, "We need one of these. I need one of these." And they said, "Oh, okay. Whose budget is that coming out of?" And he goes, "Mine. We're we're done. We're 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 getting this done. Get this taken care of." And they said, "You know, this is a very this." Is a large purchase. Are you sure? Yes, yes, I am, hundred percent. And I don't want any more questions asked. Just purchase it. I'll, I'll get it taken care of. And it, and it came out of the discretionary spending. He didn't have to go through any red tape. Didn't have to go. He just just make it happen. Just get it done. And that's great. And it and it helps you move quickly. And I I think that you know having those discretionary funds for the individuals at a certain level in the organization, having that just makes things really super helpful. Again, no red tape and just able to get things done swiftly, quickly. You're able to remain nimble and just get things done, checked off the the to-do list. Unfortunately, though, (laughs) (laughs) since nobody is checking and since nobody is looking at it, there there can be some problems with people spending money on things that maybe necessarily aren't in alignment, would you say, aren't in alignment with the values of the organization or uh, using organizational funds to purchase things that really should be coming out of your personal account, you know? So talk a little bit about, uh, how do you, how do you keep these guardrails in place? How do you put rules around the discretionary spending that makes sense that still allow the freedom to spend it however you see fit. And at the same time, uh, that it is helping the organization, helping the church, helping the nonprofit. Yeah. So we, we highly encourage, 
discretionary spending accounts. I mean, we <laughs> sometimes accountants get a bad name or the CFO does because <laughs> it's like he's the guy or she's the girl. They make the decisions. You know, at the end of the day, you can do this or you can't do this. They're kind of, you know, make all the spending decisions. In other episodes, when we've talked about budgeting, you've heard me say that we want to influence the future. We want to empower people to go make decisions and to own their budgets and to be held accountable to their budgets. Discretionary spending accounts actually empower leaders in the organization to do things that they need to do to push the organization forward. And so we we highly encourage discretionary spending accounts like you say, to those certain level of people in the organization so they can feel empowered to go and and do the things required to push the organization forward. The problem is if you don't set parameters or guardrails around those things, uh, you can get into trouble. And really the, the CFO or the accountant's job is to help keep spending in line with where the budget is and to provide that accountability and to make sure that uh, the leaders in the organization are being given direction on appropriate things to spend money on and to hold those people accountable to that. So we've all heard of the churches that, you know, the pastor goes out and buys crazy things, clothing and, you know, wild things, goes on crazy trips and things like that, you know, out of his discretionary spending account, and uh, they get into trouble for it. And so it's really important to put clear parameters around that, what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for for spending out of your discretionary spending account. And I, I'll give you an example. When, when I first started my organization, this company, Dime, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, technically all my money. So anything that the company <laughs> profits, I it's mine. Yeah. Um, I can really do whatever I want with the money. I could hire people. I could fire people. I could go on trips and try to write it off as a business, whatever I want to do. But what I did was I built in accountability for myself. I found a CPA down the road and I said, hey, will you hold me accountable uh, in these early stages, especially of my organization? If I spend... Uh, if I want to spend over $500, can I just call you and run that expense by you and uh, just have a little bit of accountability? I won't spend. And if I do spend over a thousand without asking you, I want you to look at my financials every month and hold me accountable to that. Why did I do that? And I'll never forget. I would call him frequently. And even after we were, you know, million dollar, multi-million dollar organization, I would call him. I remember calling him one time and saying, hey, I'd like to buy a chair. I've, I've been using the same desk chair for a few years, and I'd like to get you know, a decent chair. It's $600. Can I buy it? And he said, Ben, your organization's bringing in millions of dollars, et cetera. You know, of course, go buy yourself a chair. And I, and I told him, I still want that accountability. It's not healthy for an employee or even a, the leader of the organization just to have free reign of spending. So make sure if you put these discretionary spending accounts together, which we you know, highly encourage you to do, that you provide really clear parameters so that the pastor or the organizational leaders don't get themselves into trouble and that they're also able to stay within budget constraints and things like that. What would you say, because again, I know that we have listeners that, yes, they're in the church space, but other nonprofit spaces, um, other organizations, and for-profits are also listening to our discussion today. Where would you start the conversation on setting those parameters? What are the questions that you would ask 
to set those set those parameters for everybody and make it real clear you can make you can buy things in this category but not this category so those discussions are best had around the budget season okay. so when you're creating your budget hey i've got an idea let's put together discretionary spending accounts this year and here's the goal of these discretionary spending accounts. It allows pastors to make decisions at their discretion around how they want to spend money for conferences, how they want to spend money for books, subscriptions, meals with uh, people in you know the congregation, those sort of things. And we want to give them an allotted money. And here's the list of 10 things that that money could be used for at their discretion. So if it's a new thing and we're trying to give some accountability, that's a great way to have the conversation. What's more difficult is when pastors have been spending potentially out of line and you're trying to rein them back in and say, okay. (laughs) Uh, So it's a little bit of a different tone in the discussion, but it's a similar conversation where it's, hey, we want to help you control spending and provide full transparency to the organization. And so we want to provide clarity on what is appropriate spending and what are appropriate items for uh, you to spend money on. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to put together discretionary spending account to provide that accountability so we can have full disclosure and uh, transparency to the organization and anybody that comes in and you know, looks or reviews the financials. So it's it's a it could be a delicate conversation. It could be sure. a really really empowering conversation. Well, and I I think every organization, um, if you don't have mission, vision, and values, you need to get some. You need to get that squared away. Uh, no matter the size, if you are even just a a, a one person. What is that called when it's one person solopreneur? Yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah if you're if you're one of those sole solo, proprietor sole proprietor sole a, a a solopreneur, you still need to have that. But especially as we get into organizations that have five, ten, fifteen, twenty, hundreds of employees, you need to be able to draw a direct line from the discretionary spending to those core values, to the mission, and to the vision. And create those categories and those those buckets for how people can use their discretionary spending. And it might be different. Again, you know, Ben, you and I work in very different industries uh, the majority of the time. And so it makes sense for me to use discretionary spending to buy a ticket to a show. Being a performer, being an artist, being a director, that, of course, j- that makes sense to be able to say, I need to be up on what this show is and and these performances and this style of theater. I need to have a ticket for this. I don't want red tape. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have to, you know, go through all of the approval process. I just need to be able to get a ticket for this. And discretionary spending makes sense for that. It would not make sense in all industries that the CEO is buying season tickets to, you know, Broadway theaters uh, <laughs> to go and see all of all of those shows. It just wouldn't make sense. But if it's if there's a direct line between the discretionary spending and what you spend out of that toward mission, vision, and values, then you're going to be good to go. Would you agree with with that? Yeah, definitely. And you know, the last thing I'll say about this is I have yet to come across a pastor, and I've been doing this for over 15 years now. You know, working with churches and pastors and nonprofits in their in their financial space, I have yet to come across a pastor 
or a leader of a church specifically that is trying to do bad things. Yeah, right. These people, everybody that I've come across, they they want accountability. They want structure. They want to do the right thing. They're trying to grow a ministry here. And so, you know, we want to empower them by providing that kind of accountability and that kind of structure. So it's a it's a collaborative process, it's a collaborative discussion. And, you know, most of these pastors in particular are not, not, they're not trying to go out and dupe the church and dupe all the donors and trying to, you know, (laughs) blow all the money on, you know, fun vacations. They're, they're genuinely trying to grow their organization and do what they think is right. There's been a very popular, a very popular way of describing discretionary spending um, that I've heard a, a lot of organizations adopt. And it's this idea of act in the best interest of the organization, that that's the, that's the guideline. That's the principle. That's the rule act in the best. And we don't have a whole lot around discretionary spending, but if we can just, if, if everybody is able to, to sign off on acting within the best interest of the organization, then everything's going to be okay. How do you, how do you feel about that? Would you, does that need to be expounded upon? No, I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good litmus test. Yeah. The other, <laughs> I said, this is the last thing I'll say, but now this is the last <laughs> thing I'll say. Until I ask you to talk more about Until you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes discretionary spending is viewed by people outside your organization as misunderstood. So for example, let's say you have a famous actor that goes to your church and you want to build a relationship and continue the ministry with that famous actor. It's really hard to say, let's go meet at Starbucks and have a cup of coffee because that famous actor will get <laughs> bombarded by yeah. fans, right? So sometimes you have to go to a more private place, which could be a country club or a private club or a private uh, space that costs more money. People on the outside may look at that and say, that's insane. Why would these people, why would these pastors be paying money to be a member of that club? Well, they might be required to do that so they can build a ministry and a relationship with certain people that aren't able to go to a Starbucks <laughs> down the road like you and I are. Yeah. So on the outside, you may look in and say, discretionary spending, those people are spending money out of line and they shouldn't be doing that. That may be exactly what's necessary to grow the church and to push the church forward. You just aren't on the inside and you don't know. Speak for yourself, Ben. I, I I have a very difficult time just going to any Starbucks. I have to <laughs> put on sunglasses and a hat and you know slip in, slip out as quickly as possible. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot and and some good good conversation, good discussion on the philosophy of discretionary spending. When we come back for the next episode, we're going to be talking about debt. Should our church have debt, and how much debt should we have? Um, again, if you are somebody listening to this and you're like, I already, I already have some thoughts and some ideas on that. Um, maybe on the next episode, we'll give you some new ways to think about it, some new ways to talk about it, new ways to explain it to, um, to people who don't necessarily understand. Uh, but then for everybody else, uh, like me who are, these kinds of discussions are super helpful to, again, just give some parameters and nuts and bolts as to how to do all of this stuff. That episode will also be for you. So 
Thanks, Ben. Thanks for your insight on all this. And again, your, your years and years of experience of answering these questions is super helpful. So thank you. Thanks, Rob. This has been a creation of Blue Trumpet Creative. 